with you guys. I actually shared with you guys last Wednesday, last first Wednesday. I don't know if you remember, but I did. And so greetings from Pastor Mario and myself tomorrow. We love you guys so much. Just in case y'all are wondering, Pastor Mario is working in the booth. Come on, give it up for him in the back. Nailing it. And on the sound, we got Fong. Fong is our guy. Thank you so much for always making us sharp. And Rochelle, thank you so much for worship. It was awesome. I love that song. Well, guys, y'all know what's kind of a hot topic right now in our culture. Do y'all kind of know what it is? <laughs> y'all don't know. I mean, y'all know. When I, as soon as I said, y'all going to say, oh, yeah, we know about that. Y'all know the whole thing with Will Smith and Chris Rock. Okay, so let's just put it on out there. That's what's happening. Don't try to act all spiritual like you don't know. And if you don't know, now you're going to know. All right, so here's the thing. It's a hot topic, and I don't have any speculations, okay? I don't have who I felt was right or who I felt was wrong, so it's not one of those kind of a moments, all right? I don't have that. But what I do notice, notice is that just watching that moment, looking at Will Smith, you know, he worked so hard, y'all, for that moment. You know what? He was at one of the most televised, well-watched, events, the Oscars. This is a prestige moment. Y'all know what I'm saying? A very prestigious moment. And guess what? One tacky comment by Chris Rock, and it wasn't even one of his worst jokes. Y'all know what I'm saying? It really wasn't even that big of a joke. That one joke made him do something that I'm sure today he is kicking himself. He went up there and he just clawed him, okay? He just female slapped him. <laughs> All right, and so that whole event, that's been the biggest talk. It's been such a big talk, it overshadowed all the other beautiful moments because everybody was just hinged on that one spot. And you know, I was looking at it and I kept thinking, what would make somebody do that? Why would, why would he do that? You know, I don't know. And like I said, I don't know. I don't have the right or wrong answer for it. But when somebody works so hard, nonstop, all their life, they're tired. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Kind of reminds me a lot of our culture. Working so hard, nonstop, they're tired. That at one, just one moment that you've worked so hard for something, you can flush it down the toilet with just one bad moment and you work so hard. How many of you ever just worked so hard for something? You know, it got me even thinking about um, last week, or maybe the week ago, um, we let our eight-year-old daughter hang out with some friends in Louisiana, and she was living off of pure excitement. For three days, pure excitement. She stayed up giggling and laughing. Mario and I never let this girl stay up like this, because we already know. She stayed up giggling and laughing, having the time of her life. When we picked her up, she was still on a high. She was in the backseat of the car watching a movie. I mean, she was going. And then it was like the next morning, getting her ready for school, she just was an outburst of tears. And I'm like, oh, God, what's going on with this kid? And I'm thinking, she just doesn't want to wake up because it's early. I got it. Maybe by the time I go back and pick her up from school, she'll be better. Oh, no. As soon as we pick her up, we get in the carpool line, we see a sad face. And I'm like, she must have got a bad conduct grade. It's the first thing I'm thinking. What's wrong? Ah! 
just want to go back to Louisiana and play with my friends. And you ever try to reason with the person who's tired? You can. You really can. You know what I'm feeling like? I feel like that's a very similar scenario to Camden and Will Smith. Two tired people that aren't thinking rational. Like they're not even thinking about anything. Don't you guys agree that maybe they just need to get some rest? <laughs> it's amazing what rest can do. It can help you. And as I'm just sitting here thinking about this, this is what our culture is like. People are tired, overworked, working so hard, they're not getting sleep. You staying up all night thinking about stuff, worrying about it, and the, before you know it, you just splatting out things and saying things and crying randomly, and you wondering what's wrong with you. Well, you just need to go to bed, I think. <laughs> you need to get you some rest. But this is what the culture is like. You know, um, tonight, we're going to talk about a subject that I think is very important, and I hope you guys are going to lean in, because even as I begin to read the scriptures, I feel like the Lord was messing with me in this area, too. All right? We're going to talk about where is the rest, rest, R-E-S-T, where is it? How do I find it? People go, I don't have time to rest. I got things to do. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you. We invite you into our moment. You're already here. Your presence is so evident. Fill our hearts, Lord God, with understanding. Allow us to be sensitive to what you're saying to us personally not thinking about someone else, but taking it personal toward ourselves. Speak to our hearts, soften us, in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. You guys know that there's a word in the Bible, it's called Sabbath. How many of you guys ever heard of that? Sabbath, S-A-B-B-A-T-H, Sabbath. That's actually the first time the word Sabbath, meaning like rest, the first time that that word was used, they didn't label it Sabbath, but the creator, when he created the world, seven days creating the, the earth, the Bible said on the seventh day, he rested from all his labors. All right, they didn't really label it anything at that time. The Bible just said he rested. All right, so here we are. The Bible actually used this word Sabbath. How many times y'all think? 172 times in the Bible they use this word Sabbath. That means it's something very important about this word that obvious that us people, God's people that he loves so much, we obviously are not getting. And if you've been reading your Bible, at some point you've ran across that word and you probably was just like, oh, Sabbath, kept it going. Oh, kept it going. All right. Well, the when they decide to label this word rest was after the children, the Israelites. You guys, I don't know if y'all remember, but they were caught up in the culture of the Egyptian world. They were slaves, they were overworked, they were tired, they were crying, they were spatting out, frustrated, all kinds of stuff, and God heard their frustration. He heard, he heard it, and he said, I'm gonna send them a deliverer. You know the story, he sent them Moses. And then Moses began to labor on their behalf going up to Pharaoh, the slave master, saying, you're going to let my people go. All right, y'all know the story. And then eventually, he lets the people go. And so they're all following him. Now, this is me paraphrasing it. Obviously, it was a lot more intense than this. Then eventually, they're free. 
But the problem with freedom is now they need laws because they don't know any other way but the way they've come from. Y'all know what I'm saying. And so what Moses did was created the Ten Commandments. Y'all, God is smart. All right, he created the Ten Commandments. Now, how many of you, you know the Ten Commandments? How many of you at least know one? Come on, let me hear you give me one of them. What is one of them? It's not steal, kill, lie. What else? Commit adultery. Oh, my gosh, there's some smart people in here. They know their Bible. So here they are. I'm just going to read them off really fast. Do not have any other God before me. Everybody say amen. Do not make yourself an idol. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify or bear false witness against your neighbor. Do not covet. He gave those laws to them because he was trying to help them live safely in the land where they were, where our culture had worked them, beat them, abused them, treated them extremely bad. They were tired. God heard them crying. He said, I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to set some rules and things in place to help you. Oh, my goodness. He was trying to help them out. Now, guys, God is so smart because our culture is so tired. He used those commandments to help us, to help us. And the truth is, is that people just are really easy to just say, well, I got the no murder thing, some of us at least. I got the, you know, I don't know, honor your father and mother, some of us. Oh, I got the God thing. I'm going to honor God. God knows my heart. This is my man. You know, I got it. Okay. But then the reason why the world and the earth is so tired is because of commandment number four. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That means a Sabbath day is kind of like, it's not like do not kill or do not steal. Remember is an observance meaning you have to shut everything down so you could think about why you're actually doing it. And yet you actually have to practically put it into place. So, for example, every 4th of July, the whole world know that on 4th of July, we're going to stop and we're going to celebrate. They call it an observance of Independence Day, right? And so they shut everything down and we observe it, but it's intentional. It happens on what day? It happens on July 4th. Nobody in the room seems like that anything is weird about that. But if somebody walks up to you and say, I'm taking a Sabbath, you go, what? <laughs> Y'all said, I'm on a Sabbath day. I'm observing my Sabbath. You think that that's weird, right? Y'all know y'all think it's weird. Y'all know if I call, you call me on the phone, and you're like, why is tomorrow not answering her phone? I've been calling her, and then the next day you say, why didn't you answer your phone? And I said, oh, I was on my Sabbath. <laughs> You would think to yourself, you could have answered your phone on your Sabbath. Well, I also could have killed someone. I also could have murdered someone. I also could have done all these other things, but instead I decided to observe the Sabbath. It's something that you have to intentionally put in place. Ask Chick-fil-A how it works out for them. Ask Hobby Lobby how it works out for them. Do y'all know how many Sundays I always want me a Chick-fil-A sandwich? And for whatever reason, I go, I'm going to Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, oh, wait, they're closed on Sunday. 
they're unapologetic about it. They don't care. I'm observing my Sabbath day. <laughs> okay, this is what's happening. So tonight, we're going to actually take a text that is very familiar, and I know that many of you Bible scholars have heard it a million times, but I want to really take a, time, take a, a moment and just dive into where is the rest. Why aren't we getting the proper rest that we need as believers, God's chosen people? And so it's going to be found in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42. And here's where it is. And Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was so distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come, un come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, my dear Tamaro, my dear Shanavia, my dear Fong, you are worried and upset about all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I will not take it away from her. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk about three areas for finding rest. Three areas to finding rest. The first place to find rest, we actually just did it. In his presence. In his presence. Luke chapter 10, verse 39 and 40, it says... Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. She recognized who presence was in the room. It's in his presence. She sat at his feet because she recognized whose presence was in the room. Sometimes we come into the presence of God and we actually make what we're doing bigger than the one who's in the room. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Let me give you an example. If you walk in here and we say, let's, let's praise God, you lift your hand, and all of a sudden your mind starts thinking about the food that you hadn't, you left on the counter. Oh, Lord, I forgot to do this. You start remembering all the things you forgot to do. We're all guilty of it. It's actually taken you a long time to press into the fact that there's somebody here that's bigger than my circumstance or whatever it is. I don't even know. I'm unaware of it. The Bible says that she, it, we don't even know what Mary was doing. The Bible says she just went straight to his feet, just right at his feet, into his presence. I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking to this girl up, to, up here too. It actually, we have to remember that his presence is bigger than whatever it is that I'm doing. I drop everything and I go, wow, this is when I begin become in awe of his presence. The reason why it's hard for us to worship is because we're not in awe of his presence. If you become in awe of God's presence, you'll drop things. You'll start realizing, like, oh, that, that actually is, is more important. That you, you know what? God is bigger than your life. 
He's bigger than whatever it is that you're doing. He's bigger than that. You may feel like, but God, don't you see? Yeah, and I'm bigger than him. I actually see everybody. You're not the only one in the room. <laughs> you know? And the way you do that is what Mary did is she detached her mind. All worship and praise is is us detaching ourselves from our lives and putting our life on the thing that's bigger than us. You have to detach your mind. This is not easy, which means you have to practice it, kind of like a Sabbath day. Can y'all imagine that? On a Sabbath day, you have to actually observe it, meaning I'm going to detach my mind from it, and I'm going to focus on what's bigger than this problem. Think about it. I want everybody to close their eyes real quick. I want you to think about how big God is. Just don't even worry about the circumstance that you're facing. God, he's big. He's big. You're awesome. I stand in awe of you. There's nothing else. Now say amen. You have to be able to detach your mind. The problem when you come into the presence of God, you're distracted. That's what Martha was. The Bible says that Martha was distracted. And you know who she was distracted by? Her own preparations. She was distracted by her own stuff. God didn't even tell her to do that stuff. She was distracted on it all by herself. When you find God's presence, you're actually unbothered. Just when I told you to take your mind off of whatever you're thinking about and focus on God, instantly you're unbothered by anything else. This is a practice that we have to work at. Everybody say, I work at being in his presence. Not work at doing a bunch of other stuff. I work at being in his presence, detaching my mind, focusing on the one who's in the room with me. In Matthew 8, 14, the Bible, in Matthew chapter 8, 24, I love this verse. The Bible says, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake and waves were breaking in the boat. But Jesus was doing what? What was he doing? Why was he sleeping? He was unbothered. He recognized whose presence he was in. He was in his father's presence. It did not matter what the circumstance was. When you're in God's presence, it doesn't matter what circumstance that you are facing. It does not matter. I'm unbothered because I'm in the presence of the one who's bigger than all of this. Amen. So the first one is it's in his presence. The second one, and this is a big one. The second one is in letting go. Rest is found in letting go. Oh, God. When I said that, I saw a couple of people about to walk out of the church. Oh, Lord, I don't want to let go. You got to let go. Luke chapter 10, verse 40. This is what it says. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, so she came to Jesus and said. Now, listen to what she said to Jesus, the one who's bigger than everything. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, y'all, she is talking to Jesus. Now, don't you think this is unfair, Lord? Now, can you tell her to get up and come help me? All right? 
looks like somebody has a control problem. Letting go has everything to do with you losing control. Strength is actually found in letting go. Many of you, when you are trying to control everything, you are exhausting yourself. You are. You are exhausting yourself. And you're getting frustrated. How many of you find yourselves getting frustrated sometimes? Frustration is a sign of control. You got to let it go. This is not easy. You got to tell yourself mentally, I'm, I, I can't think about that. I can't, I can't overwhelm myself with that. Especially when it deals with older children, parents with older children. You can't control your adult kids. You, you got to let that stuff go. What, what about my boss? That's annoying me. That's driving me nuts. God, I know you see them. They need to fix this. You need to let that go. There's a scripture that I love so much. It's found in Psalms 131, verse 1. I need you to put this on the screen so everybody can see this. It's in Psalms 131, verse 1. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Meaning, things that are out of my control, I can't fix it. What about the sickness that you are currently facing? You can't fix that. That's the work of the Lord. I can't be worried about it, and I can't get frustrated, and I can't demand, God, you see this. You need to fix this. Okay. <laughs> that control. Does it sound, y'all, this is a real thing, and this is why people are tired. It's zapping them of their strength, and they don't even realize it. But strength is actually found in letting go. You know the right way to handle things when you find yourselves in situations that you feel like you should do? In that verse where Martha was, y'all, she welcomed Jesus in her home. He said yes. They're all sitting at the table. Jesus never asked her one time to do anything for her. She made a full assumption that he wanted her to do all of that stuff. He never asked her anything. The truth is, is what she probably could have did to be a wonderful host was made sure that they had a couple of drinks and something to eat, and she could have just sat down at the table. But no, she had a big dinner going on. And so mad that her sister, who she felt like was supposed to help her to get up and help, you need to help me. It's like, now, is, is this what he wants? The proper way to handle is maybe I should ask him, is there anything that I can do for you? The Bible never says, she, is there anything that I can do for you, Lord? Can I get you anything? Wouldn't that be a wonderful host to ask a person, is there anything that I can? No, because then maybe he could have said, Martha, sit, enjoy. But that's not what she did. That's not what she did. She started demanding. She's frustrated. And she's so frustrated, she's trying to control her sister. Some of us got that same controlling problem. You're frustrated because you're trying to control your spouse. You're trying to control your children. You're trying to control your boss, all the employees, the church members, everybody. You're just trying to control it all because you're frustrated and you won't let it go because you're tired. And a person that just won't let it go is a person that says it needs to be my way. It needs to be my way. Everybody say let it go. You really do. And this is not easy. If you thought about right now all the things that you can control 
and you start letting it go, some of you will be so free in this room, you'll probably start skipping and dancing and spinning and just so free, so carefree. But the thing, some of you, you hold heavy weights. That's not biblical. We were never meant to carry heavy burdens. The Bible says my yoke is easy and it is light. Meaning if you're walking around with some big heavy burden, that, that's not a burden from the Lord. That's something that you've even either consumed yourself with, you got involved and entangled with. But the Lord says, my burden is easy and it is light. It's light. You should be able to rest. Amen. All right. The last and final one. Rest is found in the peace that God brings. Peace in his words. Peace in his words. Everybody say peace. In Luke chapter 10, 39... I'm going to kind of go jump way back up to the top of that scripture. It says, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what? What he what? What he taught. She was listening to what he taught. And then if we go down to Luke chapter 10, 41, then this is what the Lord says about this exact same moment. But the Lord said, my dear Martha, you were worried and upset over all these details. Next one, 42. This, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I want, I will not, and it will not be taken away from her. Peace is something that has to be discovered by you. We never know the conversation that Jesus is actually having with Mary at the table. Nobody knows. Till this day, nobody can tell us what Jesus was actually talking about at the table with her. But all we know is that she discovered it. He called it out, and he tells distracted, worried, overbearing sister, Martha, hey, listen, your sister has discovered it. Meaning peace comes from his spoken word to you. To you. You have to discover it. Meaning, if you never discover it, what happens is you try to find peace in things. In things. Do y'all know how many things change? <laughs> There's no peace in that. What about money? Oh, my gosh. People think if I can just make a little bit more extra money, I know I'll have peace. That's not true. You, you won't find, you won't get more peace. If I just get into that relationship that I've been waiting to have, I, then I'm going to have peace. No, you're not. Because two imperfect people together does not equal peace. <laughs> do do y'all understand that there's not peace? Or, or the next thing is works. Oh, if I just work a little bit harder. Oh, if I can just get that promotion on my job. If, if I can just, if I can prepare that big dinner for you, Lord. If I, that's not peace, guys. That's more frustration. That's more tired. That's more Will Smith slapping people. <laughs> Because you get tired. You, you get tired trying to figure it out. That's more Martha's demanding and trying to control people, making demands on people. You need to do this. No, 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 no. You need to let go, and you need to discover God's peace, and it's only found in his word. Amen. Peace is found in the spoken word. Philippians 4, 7 says this. 
then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So what are the three areas you need to do? You need to be at his feet. You need to let stuff go. And you need to discover his peace. That's simple, right? You're like, yeah, not really. Not really, not really. It really is simple, guys. It really is very simple. But what's crazy is we make things complicated that were meant to be simple. Because we are trying to be complex when God is saying this is actually simple. When he wrote those Ten Commandments, it was because they were simple, right? But we make it complicated because we want to do things our way. We want it to be demanding. And then we want to slap in our, his name on and say, well, God told me. So now I'm using his name in vain. God didn't tell you to do that. He would never contradict his word. Amen. I just want to drop in your lap really quick a couple of golden nuggets. And if you're watching online, I'm telling you, this is going to help you. The first one is take all your vacation days. Don't wait until December comes and you go, oh, I got 48 vacation days. I've been working hard. Well, good for you. You're tired and exhausted and no one wants to be around you. Congratulations. You win an Oscar for that. No, you don't. You're tired. Plan out your vacation days. Take vacation. Get away. It's good for you and for everybody else. <laughs> All right? The next one is personal days. They give you that. On some jobs, you have personal days, and they are for emergency. Don't just take the half personal day. Go ahead and get the whole one. You need it. Take it. Now, don't use them wrong because sometimes people go, oh, this is a personal day. My foot hurt. No, no, no. Now, if it really hurts and you need to go to the doctor, then yes. <laughs> All right. Um, and then another one is work on carving one day out of your work week that you would call a Sabbath. The Bible says you have, seven, you have six days to do your regular things. Choose one day to rest. You may say, I can't do that. You got to figure it out. You need to figure out how you can pull away from stuff. Not think about your routines. It's good for you. It's actually very healthy. Most people live with this mindset. If I don't, if I don't do it, everything's going to fall apart. Well, I guess it's going to fall apart then. I hardly doubt it falls apart. What's, who's actually falling apart is you. Because you won't rest. You have to rest. Amen. I'm going to close with this story. And it's such a true story. Um... I actually have a friend. She was telling me a story. She said she's a very successful young lady. She's in her 30s. Beautiful, beautiful friend. And she said she started noticing that her hair was thinning. That was weird to her. And then her appetite was changing. And that was weird to her. She was fatigued and she could not figure out why this was happening. She was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm a pretty put together person. I work hard. I mean, I, I put... I'm very well, if most people see me, you would say, successful, young, beautiful woman, single, doing right, doing all the right things. But she, she said something was going on with it. So she went to the doctor, and when she went to the doctors, they did blood work on her, just to check. And 
they noticed that one of her level, which levels, which is called the cortisol, am I saying it's called the cortisol level, her stress level was so high, the doctor looked at her and said, I'm actually surprised that you haven't dropped dead. And she was like, wait, what? And, and he told her, you need to immediately take a rest. Go ahead and put in for FMLA. That is um, a family medical leave act. You need to go ahead and put that in ASAP. We're going to send your notice over to your job to let them know that you have to stop. And then she said, word of the wise, if I were you, I would look for another job. And she's just like, whoa, this is my job where I make my good money. I'm making good money doing all of that. But what good is it if you drop dead? This is the job that takes care of all my responsibilities. But what good is it if you drop dead? It, it's pointless. All because of this one thing. We need to rest. Y'all, she didn't even know. She went in there and she was like, oh, that's what's wrong with me. For many of you, that's what's wrong with you. You're overextended. You've done too much. And God is saying, you need to go back and observe my Sabbath day for yourself and keep it holy. And you have to do it. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to do it. And if you're watching online in a minute, we're going to get back into a little bit of worship. We're going to put those three things to practice. We're going to get at his feet. We're going to let some stuff go. And we're going to find peace in his word, his word that says, remember my Sabbath and keep it holy. If that's what the Lord has always originally intended for us to do, then I think it is time for us to try to work it back out in our lives. Amen? I think we need to put that in there. That's some good teaching. I want to pray for you and everyone in the room, too. Why don't you place your hand over your heart? Father, I thank you that you're speaking to us. Holy Spirit, you're speaking to us. I believe even as I was speaking, many of you, you've already pinpointed those areas that you need to let go of. God said, I never called you to that stuff. You have called yourself. Uncall yourself, place it down, and ask me how I want you to move forward. I thank you, Lord God, that even those who are watching online, Lord God, they're going to get into your face and they're going to ask you, Lord, how would you like me to proceed? I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, you're online. We're going to go back into worship. I'm going to highly suggest after this message that you at home turn on some worship. Get in his presence. Let some stuff go. Ask him how he would like you to proceed. Let his wisdom guide you. And then find peace in his word. Amen. We thank you so much for hanging out with us. We hope to see you Sunday here at 10 o'clock for our regular service. Good night, guys. Let's give it up for them. All right, guys.